Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. You know, I'm always telling you how excited I am about our guests, but Today, I am especially excited. Okay, I say that a lot too, but I really, really am, and I'm going to tell you why. Roger Dooley, uh, author, speaker, uh, incredibly great guy, has just written a book, and it is titled Friction, The Untapped Force That Can Be Your Most Powerful Advantage. And all of you know how I love to talk about actually anti-friction, reducing friction, getting rid of friction, which is what his book is primarily about. Although just prior to the call we were talking, there's a piece of the book that talks about why friction may be a good idea. So we're going to get into that as well. But Roger, so excited for the new book. You know, birds of a feather flock together. You're my new best friend. How you doing? Welcome well, to the I'm show. Doing, <laughs> I'm doing a great, Shep. And my excitement uh, equals, if not exceeds yours, because uh, after uh, I read your book, The Convenience Revolution, uh, uh, I think you used the word friction in there nearly as many times as I did in my book. And uh, you know, it's clear that uh, we are on the same wavelength uh, in that regard. So yeah, I'm uh, really happy to be here. Well, your title is Friction, and mine just simply says on the, if you look at it, uh, I don't even have it in the, in the uh, subtitle, but on the cover, I have this little squiggly line proving that the straightest distance between two points is not a squiggly line, but this, in my straight line, I have quick, you know, real little words, quick, direct, easy, frictionless, efficient, accessible, and convenient, of course. But anyway, this is not about my book. This is about your book, but hey, we're two guys that completely have researched and understood what friction is about. So why don't we start off with your definition of what friction is? Uh, basically, uh, it is uh, any uh, unnecessary expenditure of effort. And uh, also there's some proxies for effort, which would be time and money. Uh, but generally, uh, it is unnecessary effort to accomplish a task. Yeah. And so anytime you can reduce that friction, you can save a customer time. And by the way, time is money. So they, they correlate. Uh, that's great. You're obviously, I, I, I don't know, I shouldn't assume this. You familiar with the book, The Effortless Experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just had um, uh, Rick DeLisi on my podcast. And uh, uh, yeah, they have some great insights. And I reference uh, some of their data in my book, Friction, uh, because they really did a deep dive into customer effort, right. uh, which is um, uh, a key part of the book. I, I go beyond customer effort a little bit in the book and, and uh, get into things like uh, uh, wasted effort inside businesses and some other topics too. But uh, yeah, they, they did some wonderful work and remarkable data on customer loyalty too and how uh, wasting your customers' uh, time and effort uh, uh, will cost you their loyalty and will cost you uh, bad word of mouth. Yeah, it, it literally comes to billions and billions of dollars that are, is left on the table due to bad customer experiences. And by the way, I think the difference between uh, our books and, and the effortless experience, which by the way, 
phenomenal book. Uh, I had Mac Dixon on my show, so he's the co-author, uh, you know, the other one. And I think the big difference is they focus on the effort it takes to get a problem resolved, a complaint, uh, a question answered. It's what happens primarily what I would call it's the service after the sale. I think you and I, after looking through your book, which by the way, just came out. So it is available at amazon.com and retail stores everywhere as they say. But the big difference is, you know, we focus on really the entire process and the experience. And, you know, I, I touch at the end of the book about internal friction. You, you make a big case for how sometimes we, what we cause internally is going to affect that outside customer as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's important for businesses to develop uh, what I call a friction-aware culture. Uh, because uh, uh, when I talk to audiences about this topic, uh, I, what I find is they start seeing friction in uh, everywhere. It's not just in their specific customer experience, either as a customer or with their customers, but uh, uh, they experience it in their lives. And I think um, a business that develops this friction-aware culture will not only have happier customers because the customer experience will be smoother uh, and higher sales and all the things that go with that, but also uh, their team will become more productive uh, and more engaged because uh, one of the most frustrating things for an employee is to be um, expending effort on stuff that is not essential. Uh, you know, filling out forms, uh, going to meetings, and doing other things that uh, they know will not serve the company's purpose and won't help the customer, but because uh, that's the process, they have to do it. So, you know, to me, it's, it's a double win for a business when they start seeing friction and eliminating it both in their customer experience and in their employee experience. Yeah, it sucks valuable time away. One of the other things that companies need to think about is if they decide, and let's specifically talk about the support center. And since we're talking about uh, the effortless experience, let's go there for a moment. Many times companies say, hey, we've got a great technology that's going to make it even better for the customer. And what it does is adds a layer of complexity or multiple layers of complexity to the agent who's working with the customer, which makes it no fun, regardless of what the customer experience is. And I think that internally, if you create great processes, frictionless processes, get rid of, like you mentioned, uh, duplicate forms, unnecessary meetings, that type of thing, then I think you've got a better chance of engaging that customer at a higher level, making the, or excuse me, employee at a higher level, making them happier, and therefore they turn around and engage that customer. Um, all right, so you talk about the friction culture. What about the relationship between trust and friction? How uh, those two things work in direct opposition to each other. Uh, and you know, sometimes it's a necessary thing. Uh, you know, we put our valuables in a bank safety deposit box because we don't uh, uh, trust that we could uh, uh, leave them laying around and that they would not disappear. Uh, so, and we put up with the friction to get at them by having to go to a bank and sign a form and do some other stuff. Uh, uh, but uh, often we see uh, the, sort of a trust mismatch where uh, Amazon, who features very prominently in both of our books, uh, has uh, a very trusting sort of culture with uh, their customers. Uh, they uh, do not log you out uh, after 20 minutes the way uh, some other brands do. Uh, you are always logged into Amazon so you can place that order uh, right away with that one little easy click. Uh, you know, uh, I joke that you'd probably have to 
uh, buy a new computer or nuke your hard drive to get logged out of Amazon, where so <laughs> many brands uh, I run into, uh, they log you out and uh, periodically they'll say, hey, we don't recognize uh, your computer, even though it's the same darn computer been using for five years. And then you have to go through some other kind of authenticating right. process. Uh, it just drives me crazy. And uh, you know, it's, this is all a matter of trust. I've noticed that it particularly true when a company uh, gets hacked once, suddenly they start putting in all these security procedures of uh, uh, complex passwords and uh, two-factor authentication, uh, logout uh, times, and uh, you know, all these things that are designed to protect the company uh, and make it very inconvenient, uh, very high friction to, uh, for their customers. But they say, well, we have to do this uh, to keep you safe. Uh, but in fact, Amazon has done a great job of keeping its customers safe, uh, and they don't have all those uh, things. I'm I'm still using the same weak password that I set up like 12 or 15 years ago at Amazon. <laughs> Me too. Uh, don't tell anybody. Right, yeah. Um, Actually, I, you know, I complicated it a little bit, but it's still the bait. I mean, it is pretty amazing. Uh, I get it. They create confidence because you know what's going to happen. It's predictable. It's consistent. And, and it, it's often hard to create that connection between a, a customer and an online company or a digital company. Amazon's figured out how to do it. It's amazing. Well, you know, you know Shep, uh, trust is reciprocal. Uh, uh, I spend a lot of my time writing about uh, psychology, behavioral science, and uh, the best way to get somebody else's trust is to show that you trust them. That's like some of those uh, con games work where somebody says, hey, I found this money. Uh, will you hold it for me? Uh, they're <laughs> uh, creating that uh, trust. Uh, in this case, uh, it's a false misguided trust, uh, but it works. And then that's how they later dupe the uh, individual out of more money. But um, is one example of how Amazon trusts you. Uh, they've made returns easy for yeah. one. Most companies discourage returns. Uh, they give you multiple ways to return something and take it to the post office to UPS. A lot of times they'll tell you, oh, just keep it or throw it away. Uh, it's not worth sending it back. Uh, and when you do return something, often uh, as soon as you uh, drop that off, by the time you get home, uh, uh, you find in your uh, email, hey, uh, we saw that you returned this item, even though it's, you just dropped it in their locker or at uh, the post office, uh, and your credit has been applied. Uh, so, you know, they're showing that, yeah, you know, I could have shipped them uh, back a box of rocks or something, but they say, no, hey, Roger, we trust you. Uh, and this, in turn, uh, makes me trust them uh, because I'm, I'm very confident when I do business with them that if there's a problem, uh, they'll make it right. Yeah, I believe, and, and you and I both, as you mentioned, feature the Amazon in the book. They're the easiest business to do business with, the easiest company here in the U.S. But I'll argue, I've gone all over the world now. I was just in Asia. I was in Australia uh, a month before that. I was down in Guatemala uh, this year. And I asked, do you guys use Amazon? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, it took a little while. Like Australia, uh, they're now coming back in because there were some issues with the country and the taxes and all that. But they love the opportunity to work with a company that makes them feel this good. And how you do that online, and we've just touched the surface of how they do it. Um, but one of the things that they've done, and you and I were just talking about this, and by the time everybody's listening, uh, maybe everybody will know, that they just announced yesterday something brand new. By the way, for those that don't know, not all podcasts are done live. And this one's uh, being done uh, just a few weeks ahead of the book being released. So if you're listening to it, the book just got released, but we're actually interviewing uh, Roger today just before the book gets released. So what happened with Amazon? Go ahead and tell him. 
they have dropped their prime shipping guarantee from two days to one, or they will be doing that over uh, uh, the coming months. Yeah. And, uh, so that, one no, day. Me, yeah. You know, uh, and this is, uh, I think, what makes Amazon so special. Uh, most companies uh, try and look and say, well, hey, how do we stack up versus our competition? Uh, you know, are we uh, as good as they are? Or are we a little bit better than they are? Uh, instead, uh, Amazon, I think, views itself as the competition and keeps raising its own bar. Yeah, uh, nobody, nobody else is close Sir, to touching their two-day delivery, but they're now saying, "Okay, well, we're going to do it in one day." Right. Sir Richard Branson said, "I want to fire myself because there's something, somebody better, someone out there, or I'm going to get better." And that's what Amazon keeps doing. But the other thing, I just, you know, when I read the article this morning uh, in Retail Wire, and I try to comment on something every day uh, in their, they have three topics. This is the one I commented on. And the question was, how are, are other retailers going to be affected by this? And then they also asked, is this really reasonable? And I said, I don't know whether it's reasonable or not, but if anybody can pull it off, Amazon can pull it off. Heck, they have one and two hour delivery right now. I'm sure one day delivery is not that big of a deal. It's just a logistics issue for them. But what it does is it forces other retailers who won't be able, by the way, to match the one, if not even two day shipping but it will force the retailers to create value in other ways so that they can compete uh, and stay in business. And by the way, when Walmart rolls into a, a small town or they used to, they used to have seminars on how to stay in business while we come in and disrupt your, your traditional retail <laughs> environment. And these people who listen actually not only survive, but oftentimes thrive because they understood how to compete at another level creating a different set of value uh, to the customer than they had in the past, a better value. And that's what competition does, whether it's a new idea uh, or a new company comes in that's a disruptor, it forces people to raise their game. We're going to take a short break. And uh, again, the book is called Friction by Roger Dooley. The subtitle is The Untapped Force That Can Be Your Most Powerful Advantage. It just came out last week. You got to get it. You're going to love it. We're going to take a short break. Don't go away. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form. And each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking about friction. So, Roger, um, you make a comment uh, in the book that sometimes good sometimes causing friction is a good experience, that there's a reason to actually cause friction and you know, make a customer go through some hoops, if you will. What is the reason we would ever want to do that? Well, uh, a basic premise of the book is that friction changes human behavior. Uh, and uh, sometimes if you want to steer that behavior, uh, you can add friction. Now, uh, there are very few uh, circumstances where it would be a good thing to add friction to customer experience. Uh, uh, I can give you an example of a sort of uh, negative one. Uh, many companies make it difficult to return things. We were just talking about how easy Amazon right. makes it by offering multiple channels. 
Uh, but in uh, the old days, uh, there were these things called record clubs that shipped you physical uh, discs or CDs or cassettes mm-hmm. and things. Uh, and uh, they had a uh, they always told customers uh, that if they received a monthly selection uh, that they didn't like, they could return it. Uh, but the packaging was such that you had to destroy the packaging uh, to get at the product in the first place. Uh, and that added friction to the return process and undoubtedly caused some people to uh, just say, oh, I'll keep it. It's not that bad. Where uh, had they been able to just perhaps uh, uh, take a label from inside and slap it on the same package, maybe they would have returned it. Uh, uh, now, that's uh, almost what uh, some... I think it's almost have, deceitful. Well, yeah, it's uh, there, there's a whole school of uh, uh, stuff called dark patterns by some, uh, and it's where you're using uh, behavioral science to sort of manipulate people in a uh, bad way. But, uh, you know, I do not encourage uh, uh, anybody listening to make things difficult for their customers who are trying to accomplish something that uh, <laughs> they want to accomplish. I think uh, where I see that uh, more is in um, uh, steering, just sort of steering behavior a little bit. I have a, an interesting example in the book. Uh, it's from uh, my friend Brian Massey, who's a conversion optimization specialist. Uh, uh, and they had an account uh, that wanted more phone leads. Uh, the website had both a toll-free number and a web form on it. And uh, the customer found that their phone leads were just more productive. So they said, okay, we want more of those. So the uh, the first thing they tried was to simply uh, take the web form off. And so the, the 800 number, the toll-free number was the only option. And what they found was the number of leads went down uh, that for pretty hard to explain because you would have thought that all of the original phone people would have called maybe a few of the form people. Uh, so then what they did was uh, they tried something else. They um, added a form back in, but they made the form really long and onerous. And I, uh, in the book, I talk a lot about form friction and how uh, you know, many fields on a form uh, uh, will reduce the number of people who fill it out. Well, they made this form look really difficult. Uh, but they did tell people, hey, uh, you know, you can do either one. Uh, if you want a quick response, uh, use the phone, uh, but otherwise use this form. And amazingly, uh, they found that they got more phone leads that way. Nobody actually filled out the long form, but adding this uh, high friction yep. alternative mm-hmm. uh, caused them to um, uh, generate more leads. Uh, and another place where friction can be important uh, to add is in personal habit formation. If you're trying to uh, break a habit, whether it's uh, eating chocolate candy or uh, you know, perhaps uh, something else, you just um, make that activity a little bit more difficult. Uh, there's research showing that even moving a candy bowl in an office a few feet farther away from the individual reduced consumption. Um, putting uh, in a cafeteria line, putting the unhealthy foods a little bit farther back uh, than the healthy foods reduced consumption. Moving them to like a totally different checkout line added a lot of friction and it dramatically reduced consumption. But Again, if you add too much uh, friction to something, then it just becomes impractical. And people would have objected if that would have been a, a long-term situation. So there's uh, but, this balance you have to achieve. Yeah, so, so add, you know, if you, if you want to stop uh, doing something or slow down uh, whatever it is that you're doing that you want to um, uh, avoid, uh, then just add some friction to that process. Make it a little bit more difficult. Well, I don't know if that backfires. I, I, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but there was a mobile phone company 
And this was back in the days when we bought a mobile phone, you went to a place and had it installed in your car. It wasn't like a mobile in your pocket phone. It was a mobile in your car phone. Oh, I remember those days. And they purposely, they, they, they heard things like, if you would resolve a problem quickly, it'll show how good you are and your customer will be even more loyal to you as a result of that, that problem that was resolved quickly, friendly. So what they did, and, and by the way, think about what does the typical person do when they drive away from, you know, it's like they've got their phone installed in their car. They're not even off the parking lot. What have they already done? You're going to call somebody, yeah, right? They're going to call somebody. They've got to try this phone. Oh, I got a new phone, right? And so what the company did is they purposely uh, wanted to find out if this was accurate, if, if people would really love them more for fixing a problem. They purposely made the phone not work. So before you even got off the lot, you're heading back into their uh, office area, you know, the sitting area and, and going to the desk and saying, hey, my phone's not working. Technician goes out, spends 30 seconds fixing it and says, try it now. Boom, it works. Oh, thank you very much. No, that wasn't what happened. They actually ended up irritating customers at a higher level and it, it wasn't a good, it, it, so I still believe when you handle complaints positively, quickly, frictionlessly, if possible, uh, your customers are endeared to you. But if you're purposely creating the complaints, maybe, maybe uh, the customers saw right through that. But anyway, I thought that was always interesting. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, at that early in the process, if you're driving off the lot and it's not working, uh, you immediately question the competence of the installer and say, Did yeah, they I would imagine. Yep. Uh, so that's it. Hey, let's, let's do this. You know, um, let's take another short break because when I come back, what I want to talk to you about is, you know, this is an easy thing for companies like Amazon. What about small and medium-sized business, especially small business? How do you compete against the Amazons and the Ubers and all the companies out there that are just creating these frictionless value ads that are disrupting not just competition, but in some cases, entire industries. So let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the new book, Friction by Roger Dooley. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back with Roger Dooley talking about his new book, Friction. So uh, I wanted to touch base uh, on you on this subject, and you, you address it specifically in the book. How does the small business compete against the big business that like, you know, think about what Amazon has done, the innovation that they put into creating frictionless experiences. How, how do we compete as small businesses? Well, do we have a chance? Yeah, I think, uh, actually, I think the uh, opportunities are even greater for small businesses. And uh, uh, because, uh, first of all, uh, they probably have less internal friction uh, than larger entities that have more layers of management, more processes, more rules, you know, more forms and so on. Uh, so that's an advantage right there. But um, also they can be more creative. 
Um, well, first of all, you know, I would not recommend taking on either Amazon or Uber head on. You know, you want to start a ride hailing service, uh, you're probably going to get your head hit. Right, know. right, right. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, if you are in a business uh, and you do have some larger competitors, uh, you have to look for those opportunities where they are complacent, where their uh, processes are difficult for their customers. I'll give you an example from uh, the tech industry. Uh, you know, I've, I've been, uh, had a home network now for, I'm not sure how long, probably 15 years or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. since the first routers came out uh, and the early routers were a uh, pretty horrible experience. Uh, I remember spending hours on the phone with Linksys tech support uh, uh, and trying to uh, make their own thing work. They, they've gotten better, but uh, there is a, uh, uh, a fellow, uh, Ramaham Malasani, who, uh, was, well, first of all, he co-founded uh, uh, Ubiquity Networks, which became a big player in uh, Wi-Fi networking. Somehow, uh, he ended up uh, separated from uh, that business uh, without reaping the financial windfall. His partner bought an, uh, M MBA, an NBA team, and uh, he ended up, uh, uh, after some suits and countersuits and whatnot, apparently without... Uh, uh, that much to show for it, uh, but he was looking for an opportunity, and he looked at the uh, uh, home and small business router market, and this was dominated by huge brands, uh, you know, the Cisco's, Netgear's, and so on, uh, multi-billion-dollar companies uh, with giant uh, R&D staffs and tech support staffs, and so on, uh, and it looked very difficult. But what he saw was that the user experience, the customer experience for these companies was not great. Uh, uh, every router looked pretty much the same. Uh, it was a little black box that would sit mm -hmm. on a shelf somewhere. Uh, and on one end, you had a bunch of holes to stick cables in. And on the other end, you had blinking lights. Uh, and the average uh, customer simply uh, found this uh, almost impossible to uh, deal with. It was very difficult to... Uh, know what was going on. If anything didn't go wrong, to adjust anything, you had to go to a computer, get on the network that you're trying to set up in many cases, uh, and go to an IP address, which um, many customers uh, would not even know what an IP address is, uh, to access the router's control panel, which is then this uh, whole series of complicated screens full of tech jargon and so on. I'm already confused. Yeah, I know. And, and you're, uh, it was you're explaining it really clear, and, and I can get it. I mean, the average person doesn't understand. No, and, and of course, if you, um, you know, ironically enough, uh, if you wanted uh, to get some uh, support online, like Googling the uh, problem, uh, you have to go through your router uh, to do that. So you might not even be able I to can't access get the to it anyway. Uh, yeah, right. So uh, this was not a great experience. And uh, uh, Ram found that even experienced uh, technical people, people who dealt with this stuff uh, frequently, avoided touching their router once they set it up because they were afraid that if they messed with the settings at all, they'd end up with uh, having to spend another hour uh, fixing it. So uh, what uh, he did was uh, look, look for, and, and well, I guess one other characteristic too, if you looked at the way these products were rated on Amazon, as is typical with complicated uh, technical products, uh, they were generally pretty poorly rated. They were like maybe averaging in the three and a half range or something like that, uh, which is not good, but it was uh, reflected that people couldn't figure out how to use these things. And even if the product was perfectly fine and uh, functional, uh, you know, people would end up returning them because they couldn't figure them out. So uh, he said, well, uh, what if we put a little touch screen on the side of the device? Uh, since uh, smartphones were becoming more popular, the cost of these little screens was coming down. Uh, and people thought he was nuts because everybody knew that 
a router look like? Why would you put this uh, screen on it? But uh, he, by doing that, he avoided this whole thing about trying to connect using your computer to an IP address and whatnot. You could set it up in just a matter of minutes um, by using the little touch screen on the side of it. And uh, he ended up uh, it basically making it almost, it's about as frictionless a router setup as you can get. Uh, and uh, then the other place where friction came into play was getting this thing into the market. Uh, the big retailers, the Best Buys and, uh, uh, you know, big computer shops mm -hmm. and so on, uh, they have a buyer someplace who makes these decisions and they've already had, you know, several brands of networking gear. They, the idea of picking up a new startup uh, product wasn't too appealing. Uh, so he went to Amazon because Amazon as a part of their, we don't talk much about friction on the vendor side, but they make it very easy to sell products there. They do. Uh, and, you know, it's uh and so he took advantage of that, got his products there, and it started a virtuous cycle uh, where people bought the product, got good reviews, uh, uh, more people bought the product and got better reviews. And pretty soon uh, he was, uh, he had uh, thousands of reviews uh, that were much higher than the competition and ended up uh, selling hundreds of thousands of these routers. Uh, and it was all because he said, okay, uh, I'm going to look at this experience. Everybody knows what the experience is like. Uh, and just as Uber looked at the taxi experience and said, well, this is what a taxi experience is like. People just don't realize how bad it sucks. Uh, he did that in his space. And I think the opportunity for small and medium businesses is uh, to look for those uh, solutions that might not be obvious, uh, but would make things substantially easier for their customers. Right. And, and the first place to start is at every interaction point that the customer has with a product or similar product, competing product, and find out where's the friction and then start to look for ways to get rid of it. Yeah, you know, Chef, I wonder often uh, when I have an experience with a company, whether it's using their website or their mobile app or uh, trying to solve a problem, uh, if they have ever observed customers doing what they expect customers to do. You know, I think that all too often you've got executives who imagine what customers want and need and do, and they've never actually watched somebody struggle with uh, their processes or their products. Uh, and to me, that is a great place to start. If you can just uh, observe your customers, uh, either physically observe them if that's possible, or uh, use digital tools to observe how they might behave online or in an mm -hmm. app, uh, you know, uh, that can tell you so much about where people are struggling. But, uh, you know, I guarantee it, I'm, I'm sure you have the same experience that every day uh, you encounter uh, some kind of customer experience that uh, is very frustrating. And, you know, you just can't figure out, well, you know, surely. Uh, they you know, have to know. Yeah, they, they must they know this. Know. Why don't they know this? Yeah. So right. uh, it, watch, watching your customers one way or the other is really important. All right. We are just about out of time. So I always end the show with the one thing question. And I'm going to ask you the one thing you want our audience to remember. It could be something that you've already talked about or is there something out of this book that you absolutely want to tell them about so that they're so excited that they want to go buy the book, which I encourage you to do so anyway? Well, uh, I'm going to echo my thought that friction changes behavior, whether it is uh, in a customer experience, in an employee experience, in your uh, daily life, uh, and by uh, changing friction, usually eliminating it, occasionally adding it, but almost always eliminating it, uh, you can get great positive outcomes. Yep, you sure can. All right, the book is called Friction, the Untapped Force that Can Be Your Most Powerful Advantage. 
you know I believe in it, you know Roger believes in it, and there are companies out there that have been just trampling the competition, disrupting entire industries because they figured out ways to eliminate friction and create a better experience for both their customers and their employees. Roger Dooley, thanks for being on the show, man. Really appreciate you. Well, thank you, Shep. It's been a blast. Awesome. Well, that wraps up another great interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did, and we've got another one next week you're going to love. So until next week, when we're together again, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>